What an incredible week we had. And we want to uh, just acknowledge so many of you uh, took part in uh, making this fabulous week. And as we're going to do for the rest of the summer, we started it last summer, something that we did a couple years ago, is we want to invite the kids to come forward. This will be part of the introduction, if you will, of our sermon. So if you feel comfortable coming forward, um, I'd like for you to come up here and help me uh, here on the mat for Chad. So can you come up if you're one of the kids or you can, you don't have to come up, but I'd love for you to come up and we'll start. Thank you. Thank you for coming up. This is great. This is great. Come on up here on the mat. We were on mats all week for VBS, and I just have a couple questions for you. Oh, by the way, when you on your mat, hi, thank you. Hi. It's great to see you. Uh, thank you. Can, I'm going to invite you to take your shoes off because that's what we did when we were, yeah, there you go. Way to go. Oh, you got really cool rainbow shoes. I don't have any like those, but honey, could I get some rainbow shoes? Um, why don't you have a seat? Yeah, someone else had blinky le- le- shoes on today. Those are really cool. I don't think they have them in my size, but I'd score them. Well, I got a question for you. Those of you who went to VBS, uh, what was your favorite part of VBS, or maybe you watched online? Do you- Yeah, the balls on the rainbow circle thing. Yeah, did you do that? No, but it looked fun. Yeah, totally. Okay, what else? What did you like about VBS? Some, some tractors? Yeah, okay, let's go with tractors. Yeah. Oh, the tractor movie. Okay, I missed that one. But Anybody else? Did, did, you, um, did you like what we, we had some snacks here, and because I'm old, I like to eat. Um, and so one of the favorite ones was, it was called termites on a log, but it wasn't really termites. It was just, don't tell anybody, it was, it was celery with cream cheese and raisins, and we pretended, and it was really good. And then we had pizza, too, pizza from Chad, but actually it came from Domino's, but we just ate it, talking about Chad, so we'll go with that. You know... One of my favorite things about, um, about our VBS week was the music. And in just a little bit, we're gonna, my friend Aaron's going to uh, lead us in song. And for those of you who are listening in, uh, if you didn't know this, the, the, all the music for VBS was written by our friend Aaron Spina. And it was off the charts. God has anointed this man. And uh, one of the songs is our theme song that's coming up. Yeah. Okay, that's a good point. That's a great point. Keep doing that. Okay, I got it. Okay, we'll just go with the words, okay? How's that sound? Because I don't know all the actions, and sometimes I just sing the words. So you, you do the actions. You do the best ones. And you know what? Jesus loves it when you do that. I'm positive. I'm positive. Yeah, let's, way to go. Well, one of the things that we learned at VBS is we took our shoes off, and we sat on mats. This is what they do in Chad, Africa. They, they, they take their shoes off. In fact, these are the sandals that I went with Pastor Brian and his daughter and my wife, just a sec here. And um, 
and we would take our shoes off. But we weren't the only people to do that. On our very first day of VBS, we learned about another man, a good friend of God's. His name was Moses, and he took off his shoes. And, and when he took off his shoes, God said, take off your shoes because you're standing on holy ground, and where God is, is holy. And so we're going to, we're going to sing about him and all that. Okay, one more question, and then we're going to sing. Well, warts and dots are what God's all about. I got tons of stuff that God's working in my life. Yeah, it just keeps going as you get older, and it's promise. Okay, my friend Aaron, can you help us here? We're going to sing. The, are we going to sing the Great I Am song? And is your sweet bride here as well, too? Can she? Yes. Jessica, can we? Got it. Is she here? She's not here. Okay, we're going to go to plan B. Thank you. Um, we don't have that video loaded, do we? We do. Okay, great. Hey, let's stand together as uh, a congregation, and we're going to sing our theme song called The Great I Am. Don't follow me for actions because I butcher it. The only one that I know is this. It's called The Great I Am. Aaron wrote this song, and it's the lead song and we'll go right into our sermon. So we got that video there. You guys, uh, those of you watching online, Yay. 
And you heard me right. If you say, Aaron wrote that song? Aaron wrote that song. Yeah. So here's what the deal is. We're going to meet the great I am. We're going to listen to the great I am. And then we're going to encounter the great I am. That's where we're going. Thanks so much for coming up. Appreciate you guys. You can head back to your seats. And you can have a seat. And we're going to pray. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you that you came in the form of a servant. You called yourself the Son of Man. That was your favorite title for you. And you took on flesh and you humbled yourself and became one just like us so we can understand who the great I Am is. So I pray, (coughs) Heavenly Father, that you would use my voice to be your voice this morning. I pray you, great I am, Holy Spirit, that you would help us understand the scriptures better. And Lord Jesus, you who are the great I am, you who are the great I am, will come and be honored and glorified in what we say and do. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. You guys can head back to your seats. Thanks for coming up. So just so that we're on the same page, let's begin with this. Let's meet the great I am. The very first time we hear this idea about who the great I am is, is found in the book of Exodus. Jesus, uh, God's good friend Moses, who scholars think was about 80 years old, saw a bush that was burning and the bush didn't burn up. And when Moses was told that he was going to lead the children of Israel out of 400 years of slavery, He wanted some verification, if you will. And so he asked the question, who shall I say sent me? And this is our introduction to the great I am. And this verse comes from Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. Let's read it out loud together. On your mark, get set, read. I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. The, I, the word I am is translated in the book of he, in Hebrew language, Yahweh. And actually, it's originally written with just four letters, and scholars have called it the Tetragrammaton. Why is that important? Simply for this reason. It was only four consonants, Y, H, W, H. There were no vowels. We call it, we spell it Y, A, H-W-E-H, but originally they just pronounced it or they wrote it that way. And the reason why they did that is because it was the unspeakable name. It was the name that was holy above all names, but the significance of this name means that he's a person. We can know him, and more than that, he wants to have a relationship with us. So you got to ask the question, What does I am mean? Well, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and people have envisioned it like a triangle, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, they identify themselves as one with divine nature and glorious attributes. And there's two dynamics that are in play here, one with beautiful completeness and supernatural complexity. The issue is not who Moses is or who we are, but rather who is the who that's with us 
And who is the who that will guide us? The word I am in, in Hebrew, this Y-H-W-H, it's related to a verb that means to be. And if you go, okay, you're confusing me more. It means that the absolute existence of God is, has been and is forever in the past and will be forever in the future. Get a load of this. If the world would cease to exist, the great I am, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, would live on. They would live on forever. Now, in the English language, how we translate the word Yahweh in our English Bibles is seen either in the word, in some translations, Jehovah, or in other translations like the NIV that we have in our pew Bible, means the Lord. That's how it's translated into English. So we're going to take a look at how we meet God, the great I am, in the Psalms. What does the Psalms say about the great I am? So let me just read these three different Psalms for you, and you can look them up on your own. But what I'd like to do is I took the liberty that every time that the English translation used the word Lord, I substituted the word Yahweh, or I substituted the word great I am. Does that make sense? Psalm 90, verses 1 and 2. Yahweh, through all generations you have been our home. Before the mountains were born, before you gave birth to the earth and the worlds, from beginning to the end, you are God. Psalm 29. Psalm 29 uses this repeated word called voice with this strong theme of a thunder. The voice of Yahweh echoes above the sea. The glory of God thunders. The I, great I am thunders over the mighty sea. The voice of Yahweh is powerful. The voice of the great I am is majestic. The voice of Yahweh splits the mighty cedars. The great I am shatters the cedars of Lebanon. Lebanon. He makes Lebanon's mountains skip like a calf, and he makes Mount Hermon leap like a young wild ox. Wouldn't you like to see that happen? The voice of Yahweh strikes with bolts of lightning, and the voice of the great I Am makes the barren wilderness quake. Yahweh shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. One more song. What's he like? Meet him. In the Psalms. May the glory of I am continue forever. May Yahweh take pleasure in all he has made. The earth trembles at his glance and the mountains smoke at his touch. I will sing to the great I am as long as I live and I will praise my God to my last breath. May all my thoughts be pleasing to him for I rejoice in Yahweh. Let all sinners vanish from the face of the earth. Let the wicked disappear forever. Let all that I am praise the great I am. Praise Yahweh. As you meet the great I am, know this. He does not need the universe. He upholds all things. He is not contingent on commitment or belief. He is not derived from certain types of thinkers or theologians or leaders. By stating, I am who I am, he is saying that he has the power of being in himself. He is self-existence. So when he speaks, listen. Lean in. 
and say, why is that important? So as we meet the great I am, let's listen to the great I am. I invite you to turn to John chapter 8. Here the great I am has taken on flesh. His name is Jesus Christ, and he is speaking in the temple. And there's a conflict, and there's some context that you need to know. I'm going to spoil it for the, the last chapter in John chapter 8 ends with this, that the one to be worshipped, the one to be adored, the one to be loved is actually almost being killed. When the great I am speaks and people listen to what the great I am says, they get what he's saying. So here's the context. The context is the dispute about Jesus. If you have the NIV, you see that it says, the subtitle over verse 12 says what? Dispute over Jesus' testimony. And then the title over verse 21 says the dispute of, over who Jesus is. They're having a conversation. And in fact, verse 27, see what it says there? They did not understand that Jesus was telling them about his father. So it's conversations about a father. Jesus is talking about his father. They're talking about their father. And you're introduced to their father in verse 33. In fact, their father is used 11 times in 26 verses. So just so that we can't miss it, they're disputing over the validity of their father and their father, the one that's used 11 different times, is Abraham the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And back and forth, this context goes back and forth that we are children of Abraham, and Jesus pushes back on that. They ask questions like this, when will we be free? Verse 48, they say, are you possessed by the devil? Can you imagine asking God if he's possessed by the devil? But I can imagine, verse 53, who do you think you are, God? They, they make this comment in verse 52, Jesus, they, they say, you aren't even 50 years old. But notice what Jesus doesn't say. He doesn't say this. Can you move ahead, the next slide? He, oops, I'm sorry, go back. He doesn't say, he, Abraham, was, I, Jesus, was. That's what he doesn't say. What's significant about that? As amazing as it would be, Jesus doesn't say, Abraham lived 2,000 years ago. I was there too. And you'd have to say, how in the world could you be 2,000 years old? That's a lot of salads and working out. As amazing as that would be. But what Jesus does say is he says in verse 58, I am who I am. I am. I've always existed. I am Yahweh. I am Jehovah. And remember when, we, when I read the verses of Psalms, what that meant before the creation of the world, the great I am? They heard him very clearly, so clearly that they wanted to pick up stones to kill him. Now, what scholars have done is they've looked at these I am statements and they've identified five different times where it's simply declarative. He just states it as absolute beings. You see him in the Gospel of John. 
You see it in John chapter 6, listed here, John chapter 6, when he walks on water, don't be afraid, I am, it is I. Three different times in John chapter 8, and then one final time that we'll touch on in just a minute in John chapter 18, verse 5. Those are the absolutes. Now, if you're sitting here this morning, or you're watching online, or you're listening later, you may say, I still don't understand the great I am. And understand, I mean, it's just like, it's kind of mind-blowing. But what Jesus does use is he uses seven different metaphors of what the I am looks like. And our children learn four of them in Vacation Bible School. Each day, we take a certain theme. The first great I am, and you might be familiar with it. The first one, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And then we learned about the vine. I am the vine, you are the branches. And then the good shepherd. And then the last metaphor that we learned about what that meant and the power behind it was, you are the vine, I am the vine, you are the branches. Well, there's three more. And we didn't get to them because we ran out of days. Jesus said, I am the gate. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And then Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so each day I'd be sitting over here and I'd go, ooh, that's my favorite I am one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, that's going to be mine. And then the next day would come and I thought, okay, I'm going to cheat. I'm going to switch. And then the third day and the fourth day, they're all powerful. They're all powerful metaphors that help us understand who the great I am is. So listen. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit always were, always will be, just like they are today and just like they are consistent in his character on Tuesday and next Sunday and in June of 2022. He is the great I am. And in Jesus, those of us who are born again have this incomparable privilege and gift of having a personal relationship with Yahweh, the great I am. So we meet him, we listen to the great I am. Finally, let's encounter the great I am. I want to invite you to turn with me to John chapter 18, verses 1 through 11, as we read and we encounter the great I am. And one consistent thing you'll see is that Jesus the great I am willingly surrenders, willingly does that. So let's encounter and see what he does. You read in verse 1, when Jesus had finished praying, Jesus left with the disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. That's significant. On the other side, there was a garden, and he and his disciples went into it. The Kidron Valley only was a deep ravine outside Jerusalem, and the Kidron Valley was known to be a place of deep darkness. And Lutheran commentary Kretzmann said this, don't miss what the evangelist is saying. Christ went over a dark brook, yet in my opinion, he went over a black brook. He says nothing of the Mount of Olives and of the beautiful, pleasant place, but he refers only to the dark brook as one that fits best in this matter of arrest and death of Christ. So as we encounter the great I am, do you see the light of the world willingly entering into darkness? Watch that. Watch how the great I am, who is the gate of heaven, who is the portal of heaven, with full confidence, willingly lays down his arms 
and protection to offer himself coming against a mighty Rome and religious rule. Listen to verse 2 through 4. Now Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place, this dark place, because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Jesus came to the garden, guiding a detach. So Judas came to the garden, guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and Pharisees. They were carrying torches, knowing with lanterns. Jesus, knowing that all was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, "Who is it that you want?" As you encounter the great I am, do you see the gate of heaven, the portal of heaven, willingly laying down his arms? As you press in, good scholarship says that there were probably 120 that came to take over Christ. Why so many? Why lanterns? Because in case he would escape, in case of an emergency, they would need to round up all of the disciples. And here he is, not hiding himself, but willingly coming forward. He asked the first question. He took the initiative. He took the step forward and asked, who are you looking for? The one who is the portal for heaven. As you encounter the great I am, do you see who he is? Do you see him as the daily bread, the, the one who just speaking his name makes demons shake. Do you see the great I am, the daily bread? The one who's both the person and the truth? Look at verse 6. Verse 5 says, I am, who are you looking for? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. And Jesus said, I am he. And Judas the traitor was standing there with them. And when Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Just for a moment, just for a moment, the great I am, who is God in the flesh and has always existed and is self-existing and who has all the glorious attributes and all the supernatural complexity, just for a moment, shared his glory. Just for a moment, God spoke who he was. And what was the result? They fell down. They fell down in worship and awe. This isn't the only standalone text. In the book of Ezekiel, or excuse me, in the book of 2 Chronicles, you see priests. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, when the temple was being dedicated, in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 through 3, Levites, when the Israelites saw the fire coming down and the glory of the Lord upon them, they knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground and they worshiped and they gave thanks to the Lord saying, he is good and his love endures forever. That's what happens when you see the glory of God, when the great I am shows his power and his might and his majesty. It's not just priests. It's prophets too. Ezekiel chapter 44, verse 4 says, Then the man brought me, Ezekiel the prophet by way of the north gate to the front of the temple and I looked and I saw the glory of God and filled the temple of the, the Lord and I fell face downward. It's not just priests, it's prophets. It's not just priests and prophets, it's rebels. It's Acts chapter 9. The church planter to be. The Pharisee, the religious rule follower, Paul, when God came in a vision and he fell down on his face 
And he said, who are you, Lord? It's not just prophets and priests and rebels. It's the best friend of Jesus in Revelation chapter 1, verse 17. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 17, John, who writes five books of the Bible, sees Jesus. And this is how he greets his good friend Jesus. When I saw Jesus, I fell at his feet as though dead. And then he placed his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid. And the first and the last. When God shows his glory, you fall on your face. And so it makes the contrast of what also came in, the daily bread in that dark experience, saying, that's what Judas did? The Christian reformer Martin Luther said this, look at the heart of Judas. He too retreated and fell down with all the others. Yet he was not moved at all to think he had better stop storming against him who just with his mere breath all fell. He had seen not just this sign, but many miracles. And take your pick. He was there when Lazarus rose from the dead. He was there when Jesus walked on the water. He was there for the healing. Which one? Name one. He was there during the buffet of 4,000 and 5,000 being fed. Luther goes on to say, what awaits a hardened heart is an abyss. Don't be surprised what happened with Christ. As you encounter the great I am, do you see the one who's called the way, the truth, and the life? In verse 7 and 8, in John chapter 18, they ask him again, who is it that you want? Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said, I told you that I am he. If you're looking for me, then let these men go. You've heard me say this before. As we encounter the great I am, this one who came from the town of Nazareth, who is the way, the truth, and the life, know this, no person has ever been more researched and worshipped, more polarizing and followed, more cursed and loved than Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. The book of Proverbs is very clear that those who seek and ask and even express doubt are welcomed, but those who scoff and denied are called fools, and they will suffer the consequences of their actions. As you encounter the great I am, do you see the one who's called the good shepherd? It's there in verse 8b and 9. It says, if you're looking for me, then let these men go. This happened so that the words he had spoken would be fulfilled. I have not lost one of those who gave me. It's a reference back to John chapter 17 where he says that God protects them. This is what our shepherd does. He not only gives his life, but he protects us. Let them go their way. Had they been killed? Had they been destroyed? We never would know of Andrew. We'd never know of Peter. We wouldn't know the story of John. But as you encounter the great I am, do you see the good shepherd? He does the same for you not only protecting your soul and ushers us to, the, to, to our Heavenly Father, but he protects us even in our daily life. This is the great I am. Can you see the great I am who's the resurrection and the life?
can you see the one that in the midst of violence says, no, there's a different way? Jesus' good friend Peter, in verse 10, then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Do you see what's happening? Do you see the resurrection and the life? In fact, Matthew's account of this same story, the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 26, Jesus says, if I wanted to, I could call my heavenly Father, and he would send 12 legions of angels. What is that all about? Well, a legion was 3,000 to 6,000, and do the math. That's a lot of angels. If you want to see what one angel can do, read 2 Kings 19 through 35. One angel, one night, slew 185,000 Assyrian warriors. And one scholar said, if Jesus would have called all of the legions down, planet Earth would have been annihilated. You see, we should have a tip, though. There was a tip for Jesus, the great I am, the one who is the resurrection of the life. He, he himself, it was told that when Jesus was born, it, it, this, this comment was made, can you feel the weight and can you feel the burden? Can you feel it on his shoulders? When the angel said, and the government will be on his shoulders, that he will build a new kingdom. Do you see the great I am as you encounter the great I am? Do you see this one who is the resurrection and the life? Finally, as we encounter the great I am, he tips his hand a little bit in verse 11. He had just had a meal with his men, didn't he? And didn't he pick up a cup? And he said, this is the cup of the new covenant. He just did that hours earlier. And then he reads verse 11. Put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? This is the great I am. Do you see him as the vine and we're the branches? The vine who's always, always, always been with the Father. So much so that when there was a moment in time when he wasn't, he cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the vine was cut. But he drank the cup of suffering for you and me. So if we repent and believe, we're his children. Wow. So I ask you these three questions. I ask you these three questions. How do you think about the great I am during the day? Do you live as if the great I am is present or does he pra exist practically to you only as an impersonal force? Just one dial over from the force. Is that who the great I am is? What, why does it change the trajectory of when Jesus says, I am in John 8, 58, when he made the words, I am, and they heard, and they picked up stone? Why does that change the trajectory of life? I'll give you a clue. Before Christ, there was B.C., and after Christ, there's A.D., and what you do with the person of Jesus Christ in this lifetime will have a ripple effect into eternity. And finally, how will worshiping the great I am look this week? Worshiping, inviting him, 
along with you when you go for a drive, inviting him along with you to start your day, meeting with him during the week, talking with him, not just over meals, but throughout the day. How will it look like when you worship him? Will you meet with him? So let me close with this illustration. I heard this years ago, and just recently I've um, subscribed, last couple months I've subscribed to a devotional that comes out by the name of Scott Sauls, S-A-U-L-S. You can Google him if you want to and sign up. Uh, Scott's a uh, Presbyterian pastor from Tennessee, and he just writes really well. And he told this um, hilarious story, and I had heard this story before, but um, hadn't heard the rest of it. There was a rock star, a famous rock star, that wanted to meet with a Christian pastor. This was in the 90s, early 2000, and this Christian pastor had begun to write a paraphrase of the Bible that was starting to have ripple effects in the church in a good way. It was fresh and it was new. You probably know of this contemporary paraphrase of the Bible. It's the message. And you may like it or not. I've, I've found it of great value in my own devotional life, and my daughter has enjoyed it as well, too. And this rock star uh, was impacted by the paraphrase. He was an Irish guy, and his name was Bono. And Eugene Peterson, who is the author of the message translation, had no clue who Bono was. His grandkids had to tell him who Bono was. He's the lead singer for U2. And, uh, and the interviewer went on to say that Bono wants to meet you. And Eugene Peterson uh, said, I'm not able to meet him. And the interviewer went on to say, but this is Bono we're talking about. He was in the midst of writing the message. And Eugene Peterson's response was, this is Isaiah we're talking about. Even bigger than Isaiah, the great I am wants to meet with you. I would dare say that if someone famous wanted to meet me this week, I would probably find time, maybe even Bono. I could slip him in for 15 minutes. But someone bigger than Bono wants to meet with you, wants to know you, wants you to know him. He's the great I am. He loves you. Do you know him? If you've never placed your faith in Christ, what are you waiting for? Jesus said, repent and believe. What do I bring to him? I don't clean up my act. I give him my messy act and acts. And he gives that to us as a free gift. As a free gift. All that he did in that Kindred Valley, he did for you and he did for me. Many of you know Christ, but if you don't, why not make sure that today Bow your heads with me and we pray and then uh, I'm going to lead you in just a simple prayer. Then we'll sing. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your one and only Son. You loved us so much that you dealt with our sins.
the great I am did not run away. In fact, he stepped towards that. And he stepped towards arrest and betrayal and trial, all for us. So I pray that if there is someone here that does not yet know you, that they would pray this simple prayer, God have mercy on me. Forgive my sins. If you prayed that prayer for the very first time, Christ has forgiven you. And it doesn't stop here. And when we leave here, the great I am goes out. All over the Chippewa Valley, all over the state of Wisconsin, throughout the nations. We have brothers and sisters around the world. And we thank you, God, that you're building your church. We thank you. You are the great I am. We can humbly say, thanks be to God.